ABC Grandstand. Sports coverage like no other. Hello, and thanks for downloading this ABC Grandstand podcast. For sports coverage like no other, tune into ABC Grandstand on ABC Local Radio, on the ABC Mobile app, streaming online at abc.net.au slash grandstand, and on ABC Grandstand Digital Radio. The Back Post. A-League. With Francis Leach on ABC Grandstand Digital. Yes, you're on Grandstand Breakfast here with the more than just a game crew. It's Paul Roach, David Gill and Simon Johnson. Stephen Ryan's had to slip away to other commitments, so see you later, Steve. We'll see you tomorrow. Um, but we go back now to Brazil and we're joined by Dave Davutovich from the Herald Sun. Dave, g'day and welcome to the show. Good morning or good evening here from Brazil. <clears throat> yes, good morning. Good morning to you indeed. Good adjustment to our time zone. But uh, yes, uh, thanks for your time uh, in the evening over there. Uh, how's, how's festivities going? Is Brazil treating you well, Dave? Yeah, it's going all right. Can't complain. It's uh, not the worst country in the world to be visiting uh, any time of year, let alone during a World Cup. So, look, I'm not going to lie. It's absolute chaos here. <laughs> Organisation has been somewhere between uh, average to shambolic, depending on where you are. But uh, coming from a place like Australia, don't mind a bit of uh, bit of chaos every now and then. It uh, mixes things up and makes things interesting. So is it, uh, is it infrastructure? Is it just the, the organisation around the grounds? Give us a bit more detail on that, uh, being the man on the ground there. All of the above. I mean, you know, we went to Salvador, for instance, which is a World Cup city, but I went there a week before the World Cup started when uh, Australia played Croatia in a friendly and there was roadworks going on and, uh, you know, a four-lane main road that, uh, you know, bottlenecked into one lane and, uh, you know, something that... It wasn't a huge job, but uh, I couldn't see why it it couldn't have been done two, three, four months ago. Um, And uh, the boys working there didn't look like they had the greatest work ever, to to be honest. Um, and uh, to be honest with the stadiums, every stadium we've been to, um, things are uh, incomplete, whether it's plastering, painting, you know, wires and uh, and cords, electrical cords sort of hanging out of roofs and, uh, you know, uh, out of walls. And then we've had issues at the Maracanã with um, a bunch of Chilean fans who stormed into the press room. I wasn't actually there, but we've seen footage of it actually mm. online for those who... Uh, they want to catch it. Uh, yeah, I think 70 or 80 odd uh, Chilean fans sort of stormed in trying to get into the American after the game uh, the other day. So, um, you know, security is obviously an issue as well. And, uh, you know, lining up for, for food, I mean, it was a queue ahead of the first game. Uh, Brazil, Croatia, probably 40, 50 people in the line with, you know, two or three people working there. So, um, and even yesterday, I mean, you know, after the game, you sort of. Uh, asking the volunteers, um, you know, where things are, buses, whatnot, and then no one really seems to know what's going on. But it's not their fault. It obviously starts from the top, and, uh, you know, a lot of these people haven't been briefed and, uh, and whatnot. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's been quite interesting because four years ago we were hearing a lot of the same discussions heading into the South Africa World Cup. And to be honest, once we got to South Africa, it was pretty much done and dusted. Um, and, you know, was they very much worth flying by the seat of their pants and got there at the last minute. But um, here, it's, it's genuine. I mean, even the pitch in Manaus where, uh, 
uh, where they've had a couple of games. Um, and I think Croatia and Cameroon played there yesterday. I mean, the pitch is in, in pretty poor nick for a World Cup stadium. They're sort of spray painted over the top. So, you know, it really is a bit of everything. But uh, look, not for a moment um, am I suggesting this is overshadowing, you know, what is. I think proving to be and what will prove to be the greatest World Cup in history because there have been uh, so many fantastic games. But uh, certainly uh, been interesting uh, being here for the moment. And I haven't even been to Rio yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolute bedlam down there. Yeah. So... Um, I'll be able to give you uh, some interesting reports from there in about a week's time. There's certainly some good football going on, Dave. I'm not sure if you're in front of a TV at the moment, but Japan, Greece remain at nil all at about the 38 minute mark. But uh, was it the Greece? Uh, there's a red card shown. Was it the Greek skipper? Did I say that right? Okay. Yeah, it was, it was really? the Greek skipper, Kostas Katsurunas. So it looked very harsh to me. I don't know if it was his second yellow or not. It was, but it was his second yellow. It was a, okay, then fair, fair enough. But that really uh, makes things difficult for Greece. But it looks like they have uh, responded well and came very close to scoring moments ago. So it's still in all Greece down at, 10 yeah. min, at 40 minutes. David? It's a very interesting game. And obviously both teams need a win this, having lost their, uh, their opener. And uh, look, Japan, on paper, I think a better team. They've got some... Fantastically talented players, but they're coming up against a uh, you know very contrasting side in in, in a, a street smart Greek side that uh, you know they're not pretty to watch, but they, they can be effective as we saw uh, ten years ago at Euro two thousand and four. But uh, yeah, I guess for uh, for uh, Asia's sake, uh, our Asian neighbours, Japan, hope that uh, they can get through. But they're obviously the massive Greek population in Australia, so uh, many people will be rooting for them. And Dave, what's the uh, re- reaction been like over there in relation to the Socceroos' performance the other night? Um, what, what's the uh, Brazilian audience made of that? Look, everyone is uh, is still in rapture about that performance. Uh, you know, you only really have to follow online and, and Twitter, and you know, go on a lot of the uh, the overseas websites, even the UK papers of uh, yeah, still going on about. Um, you know about the performance, and, and in particular the uh, the Tim Cahill goal. So a lot of people have uh, you know had a chat to us. Uh, I mean we're back in Victoria now at the with the uh, Socceroos training base, but uh, everyone has been really complimentary of the Socceroos performances. And I'm not sure what it's been like back home, but uh, you know I mean it, it seems silly in one sense because the team hasn't won, and uh, you know they, they could come out of it, out of this tournament as uh, you know the worst. Uh, Worst uh, World Cup performance of the, uh, the the four teams that have gone to World Cups for Australian teams, but uh, certainly you know putting it into context, uh, you know it's a team of, of nobody really. I mean Tim Cahill's the only recognisable player in a global sense, and uh, you know there's a bunch of uh, you know misfits have come here, and uh, not only have they uh, gone toe to toe with the you know fantastic Chilean and Spanish sides who have obviously uh, sorry Chilean and uh, Dutch sides who have knocked off. The reigning world champions in in uh, Spain, but uh, you know, pretty stiff not to come away with something in both of those games. So uh, obviously, one game to go against the Spaniards who uh, who are out of it at the, um, at the moment, and really disappointing that it is a uh, a dead rubber. But uh, yeah, as I said, the, the Socceroos have certainly won the respect of the world, uh, and, and that's what they came here to do. Dave, turning to Brazil for a moment, how how are the Brazilians feeling about their own team's performance? They obviously struggled a bit against Mexico. Is this a case of the team having real problems, especially in attack, or would Scolari be biding his time and hoping or, or planning for his squad to peak at the right time? They obviously don't want to be playing the brilliant football in the, in the group stages. 
Yeah, well, the Mexican Tempera Chow was in outstanding form, uh, particularly in that second half. So, you know, they were pretty stiff not to come away with something and saying that it wasn't their greatest performance. And the reaction's been pretty savage over here. Uh, people expect Brazil to win, win every game and win this World Cup on home soil, so anything less, and uh, they won't have a bar of it. And, you know, the expectations on the team, and in particular Neymar, are, are absolutely immense. So... Um, it'll be interesting to see how they react. I mean, Mexico with that draw now play uh, Croatia um, in, the, in the final game, and they got their confidence up after uh, after smashing Cameroon four 0 So that's an important game. A draw in that game would get uh, Mexico through. A, uh, a Croatian win would get them through. So um, you'd think that Brazil will now bounce back against Cameroon. We actually Cameroon's the only other team staying here in Victoria, and we're uh, down on the beach watching the. Uh, Watching the England uh, Uruguay game at a pub, and uh, lo and behold, the Cameroon Cameroonian side were uh, running, uh, doing a bit of a recovery session on the beach right beside us, uh, <laughs> doing a few uh, laps up and down. So I think it was every player bar Samuel Eto'o. So I know he's got a bit of an injury cloud, but uh, he's probably not too keen to do those beach runs in any case. So um, yeah, I think I think Brazil will bounce back. And uh, to be honest, I think mean, they're still my tip to, to win the tournament. I mean, you look back through World Cup history and. Most of the World Cup winners have a blip somewhere along the line. I mean, you look at 2010 and Spain lost their opening game against Switzerland. So uh, I, I don't think there's uh, I don't think there's as many concerns as uh, what some people uh, or some of the locals would suggest. Even though they've got a bit of uh, fortuitous uh, refereeing, fortuitous calls in that first game, um, I, I think the signs are good, and particularly with Neymar. He just looks like he's on. Yeah, I think Neymar, I mean, Neymar was the man with all the pressure, but he has definitely delivered and very unlucky not to get on the score sheet against Mexico. But when I look at Fred and Oscar and Bernard and Joe, they're really not delivering. And it just, Neymar aside, this team doesn't seem to have the panache of, of Brazilian World Cup teams of the past. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, in that first game, he played Neymar in that number 10 attacking midfield position, the central role, where usually he's played him off the left and Hulk was out wide uh, uh, on the left instead. So uh, Oscar, I thought, in that first game was, was outstanding. Uh, Fred obviously won that penalty. But, um, yeah, I mean, what they do have going for them is two absolute animals in central defence in Thiago Silva and David Luiz. And, you know, they're what you want from from your stoppers, just two blokes. So you, when you look at them singing Brazilian National Anthem, if you haven't seen them, uh, get on YouTube or just make sure you, you, you get up in time to see the anthem for their next game. They, they look like they're about to cry. They're singing it with absolute gusto and uh, they, they scare the living daylights out of uh, people watching the game, let alone the strikers coming up against them. So, you know, as long as they're there, they've only conceded one in two games. They'll, they'll keep it tight. Brazilian you know, defences haven't always been the sturdiest. So I think with them two there, Julio Cesar's okay in goal. Um, I, I don't think the attacks, the, uh, I think the attack can, you know, they'll have a couple of times to sort of uh, get into groove, I guess. But the Hulk was obviously missed the last game through injury, saw vision of him training today, so expect him to come back, back into the side. And yeah, I mean, there's some fantastic players there and uh, some, some good options on the bench if they, uh, you know, a bit of depth on the bench if they need to go down, uh, down and use those players. So, Dave, let's look look ahead to the Australia-Spain game. It's an interesting game, isn't it? Obviously, both sides are out, and there's the young up-and-coming whippersnappers, lowly-ranked Australia versus the former world champ or soon-to-be former world champions who are down must be down in the dumps. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, had a look at a few of the, the Spanish papers, and uh, obviously my Spanish isn't great, but uh, got the old Google Translate out, and they've absolutely smashed them over there. And uh, you know, they're in mourning over in Spain, and uh, particularly in Madrid, Barcelona, there's not as much sympathy for the, the Spanish national national team for uh, obvious uh, historical reasons. But um, yeah, it, it's been a bizarre World Cup. I mean, you look at uh, the Socceroos and 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 their decision to regenerate, well perhaps Spain should have done the same thing, I mean they've obviously got a, a fantastic bunch of players at their disposal but uh, they've done a lot and they've got uh, a lot of fantastic young players who are coming through and actually playing at good clubs at a good level but uh, you look at them and, and you can't say they're not up to it in terms of uh, you know the skill level and whatnot. but there must be something with their motivation levels. Um, I know there's been tension in the past, uh, you know, with uh, Real Madrid and Barcelona camps, and there was a lot of talk that that may have, uh, you know, affected team morale within. But as I said, they've won the last three major tournaments, and uh, the two clubs seem to be getting on well at the moment. I just think, uh, I remember them going into Euro 2008, you know, with that fantastic team and so much expectation. I was just so hungry and determined. You just look at the body language now, and they just don't look like they're too phased and uh, you know guys who've won so many you know trophies and you know at both uh, club and international level um, you know perhaps there should have been a bit more of a balance I mean you look at uh, late in the game yesterday when they needed a goal he brought on Fernando Torres and, and Torres just has, has been a shadow of uh, you know that player who was one of the most dangerous strikers in the world when he was at Liverpool for the last couple of years so um, you know perhaps they should have gone to you know, a couple of other players, uh, younger players. But I guess Del Bosco, perhaps he feels, you know, a bit of loyalty towards those older guys. He's, he's been there since uh, 2008 when he replaced uh, the late Lewis Aragonis. So um, it'll be interesting to see what they how, how they come out in the third game. No doubt they'll make changes. And uh, you'd imagine the guys who haven't played will want to come out and prove a bit of a point. So I think it'll be a good test for the Socceroos. And, uh, yeah, the Socceroos certainly aren't here for a picnic for the last game. The players we've spoken to have said, you know, we have got so much to, uh, you know, to prove in this final game. And uh, they'll also make changes because obviously the suspension of Tim Cahill um, injury cloud over Mark Bresciano who came off uh, as well as Mark Milligan who missed the game with a hamstring looks like they might be struggling to get up as well so um, I think you'll see a, a few of the younger guys uh, come in and get a run such as Adam Taggart It's uh, half time in Japan Greece, it's still nil all Dave, uh, interested to hear that your pick for the World Cup at this early stage remains Brazil, so going for the, the home home ground advantage to see the Brazilians through. Who, who else do you see as being their major threats um, as following well, on for that first one? Argentina or Germany, take your fancy? Yeah, I'm tipping Argent- Brazil-Argentina final. Uh, I, I tipped that at the start and I, I, I stand by it. Um, you know, the longer the tournament goes, I've got a feeling that uh, I'm going to really like Argentina more and more. Uh, I liked what I saw with, with Lionel Messi in that first game. I'm big on body language, as you've probably noticed, and uh, he just looks like he's ready to go and he's got something to prove. And, uh, you know, he, he has been... Uh, he's got a lot of criticism back home and around the world. A lot of people saying, you know, he needs a big World Cup to, to be... Uh, regarded in the same bracket as Maradona and Pelé, um, even though he's done a lot more at club level. Um, so he, he looks like he's got a huge point to prove. And you could see the, the, the almost relief, uh, you know, the emotion uh, after he scored in that game against Bosnia. Uh, he's ready to lead that side. But he's got a, hasn't got a bad support cast either with the likes of uh, Sergio Aguero, Lovetti, 
Mascarano, uh, Zabaleta, Fernando Gago. There's some <laughs> some brilliant players there. So I, I think they're looking really, really good at the moment. Dave, you mentioned uh, Savage press reactions earlier, and earlier today we saw England go down to Uruguay, and predictably, well, I think we can predict with with great confidence that the the press reaction in the UK will be absolutely savage. But what went wrong for England? Because really, this is a game they should have won, and it looked like once again they've been outsmarted. Yeah, there's an interesting side, England. I mean, talked about the Aussies and how they've regenerated and, and Spain who haven't. And England's sort of somewhere in between because they've still got Gerard and, and Rooney and, you know, the older boys who are there. Uh, but they've also, you know, picked a number of the, the, the younger players. And we've seen Raheem Sterling, uh, Barkley come off the bench a couple of times who I thought probably should have started today's game. He's a, a fantastic player, the, uh, the young Everton uh, attacking midfielder. But... Uh, even though there weren't huge expectations uh, on the English back home uh, heading into this tournament, that was a field day. It's just uh, it's just tradition over there. When they get knocked out, they have to uh, they have to uh, you know get the hacksaw out and just go them real hard. So um, you know there were positive signs, but boy, oh boy, they're in a tough group, a bit like Australia. Um, you know. If they play the Uruguayan team without Suarez, they win that game. You know, Suarez pulls out. It's his first game, obviously, since he had that operation. He was in a wheelchair three or four weeks ago after that, uh, that, that surprise knee surgery. But, you know, it's two goals. You just look at his confidence. I mean, he hasn't played in a month. You'd think it'll take him a bit of time to get back into it. But for the first goal, the header, and the second one when he's uh, smashed at home past Joe Hart, both times, as soon as he's... He struck them. He was away celebrating before it even went past Joe Hart because his confidence is such that he knows once he knows it's in. Once it hits, you know, his head or his feet or whatever it is, he he knows where it's going. It's it's no, uh, you know, there, there, there's no guessing um, with him. So with him in that side, even though the defence is a little bit dodgy, um, him and Cavani up front, Fallon was on the bench as well. You know, they're a really dangerous side. So, look, you feel for the English because, you know, Italy's a, a fantastic team. So, probably one of their weaker sides on paper in some time in, uh, in, in terms of World Cup history, I guess. But, yeah, you write them off at your peril. The 2006 World Cup, uh, they were written off as well and ended up winning it. So, uh, you do feel for the English, obviously. They want to uh, take a bit of uh, pride and respectability out of the World Cup with that final game against Costa Rica. All right, Dave, look, uh, we could talk for hours about all things World Cup. Perhaps we'll talk to you uh, again later in the weekend, but thanks very much for your time on Grandstand Breakfast. Always a pleasure, boys. Thank you. There we go. So that was Dave Davudovic, who's the chief football writer for the Herald Sun, enjoying his time in the sun over there in Brazil. It's, uh, it sounds like, a, sounds like a lot of fun over there. Um, and as I say, hopefully we'll talk to him again later in the weekend. If you love sport, here's a smart way to stay up to date with sports of all sorts. Bookmark your mobile with the ABC Grandstand website. Grab your mobile, visit abc.net.au slash grandstand and set the mobile site as a bookmark. It's the smartest way to stay up to date with comprehensive sports coverage from around the world. Plus, you can listen to Francis Leach for breakfast Friday to Monday every week. abc.net.au slash grandstand on your mobile. On ABC Grandstand Digital, this is The Back Post.
Yes, joined there by Dave Davidovich from the Herald Sun over there in Brazil and uh, combined with what we heard from Francis Leach, our uh, illustrious leader here at Grandstand Breakfast. It sounds like a lot of fun is there to be had in Brazil, notwithstanding the, uh, the infrastructural problems. Um, I thought it was uh, fascinating hearing his take on the Brazilian national anthem and uh, the two defenders, the towering defenders, being the most passionate singers of the national anthem. It calls to mind for mine, if you're thinking of Australians who sing the national anthem, Australian sports people, oh. Nathan Sharp. Sharpie, oh, yeah. is, is there anyone who <laughs> sings the national anthem of Australia with greater passion than he Sharpie to, he did? He teared up constantly and during the, the national eyes anthem, were bulging he? out of his head. Uh, How many tests did he play? You'd think it would sort of desensitise after a while, <laughs> but it never did. Very passionate. I think there should be more of it. I mean, it's, just, it's a shame that um, it's not a very masculine Aussie thing to be able to sing, though, is it? Like, the, you know, we, we often hear from the English fans having a crack at us Aussies about, you know, not being able to sing. and. At, at, at sporting events and in particular football events and my response is usually it's a sporting event not in a Stedford it's, but, um, it's yeah. also a concern as to whether everyone knows the words and how good our national anthem actually is I suppose don't we just say you guys do the singing and we'll do the winning or something <laughs> like that <laughs> look at the scoreboard clap 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 yeah it's a bit of a shame but um, yeah Sharpie who else, who else I mean there's who else is there? Any particular stand? Timmy Carl. I noticed he he belted it out for the Socceroos. Um, I, I was concerned before that match that uh, there were a few that weren't singing at all, but mm. they did come out and play with passion. So not necessarily the case that if you belt it out with passion, you'll show that passion on the field. I suppose. Mm. I do want to dig deeper into this this South American national anthem phenomenon, though, because I think we need to do some research over the next few days. Because this this thing that they do, where the music stops and the yeah. crowd and the players keep singing, I, I've never seen it before, and I I don't know if it's something. Thing that's the, just developed in the, the last week second or second verse or third verse. But um, before uh, Chile's game against Spain, it was a predominantly Chilean crowd, probably about 80%. And I've it's one of the best renditions of a national anthem I've heard. It was it was martial, it was hostile, they, they had incredible pride and it was so loud. I mean, the Chilean players would have walked onto that field just ready to fight for their life. I mean, I think the three of us will all recall the Australia-Uruguay qualifier mm. from um, however many years ago it was. Oh, now the, the, the Australian national anthem uh, that I heard that night was the best I've ever heard live, and I and I do recall the boos during the Uruguay national that, anthem, which that, was poor form. It was, but it was there was there was there History. that was an element of revenge because the week before in True. Uruguay the the Aussie national anthem was completely drowned out um, at the, the Estadio Centenario by whistling and booing. So it's not make, something an Australian crowd would normally do. It only makes us as bad as them. We could have taken the <laughs> normal ground there. I know, but God, it felt good. Well, it did. I'll, I'll, I'll never forget that. The other thing I remember from that game, Jono, is uh, we, were, we were encouraged to get there early so that when the Australian team came onto the pitch, you know, support them then, give them a big yell when the they just roar. come on the train, you know, 45 yeah. minutes beforehand. We did, and I may or may not have been at the bar at the, this moment when suddenly the crowd went berserk. I thought, what's happening? And, oh, right, they've, they've just come onto the ground. It was fantastic. But that national anthem, Johnny, you say it was the best. It was the best times ten. By There's far, been yeah. nothing, nothing like it. But um, I hope, I'm sure the Aussie fans are getting stuck in the anthem over there in uh, in Brazil. Well, Give me a good go. So. Getting a bit hoarse. I think we did all right against uh, against the Netherlands. It was uh, we the, 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 held our own. The crowd, yeah, did us mm. proud. Beat the orange. Just a swift shift sports. Almost uh, got in all sorts of trouble there. Uh, and but still speaking of national anthem, I could not help but stand up when uh, Daniel Ricciardo won the uh, the Canadian Grand Prix uh, a week and a half or two weekends ago now. Belted um, it out. Yeah, I, I didn't sing it. I admit, but I was on my feet there at, uh, at midnight, uh, my time, and that's quite a moment. Watching him smile at the national anthem. So uh, hopefully, he, uh, Ricardo might do the same again. Actually, with the uh, the Austrian Grand Prix 
uh, happening this weekend. Might have done the same for Adam Scott last year at the uh, Australian Masters, it uh, must be said. Did Dulcet they do the national up. anthem? They didn't, but there may have been a few impromptu renditions of that. Mm. Uh, and maybe a bit of Land Down Under as A little well. bit of Land Down Under at the bar later on that <laughs> night. A bit of karaoke Land Down Under. Something like that. <laughs> Uh, Gilly, in the brief time we've got left, um, just looking ahead to the, the next couple of days in the World Cup, you're still in, in nocturnal mode. What are you looking forward to? Yeah, be judicious about, about what you watch. And Ooh. I would I would single out three games, Nigeria, uh, Bosnia-Herzegovina on Sunday morning and also on Sunday morning, Germany against Ghana and then on Monday, the USA against Portugal. Mm. If you watch three games, uh, make it those three. They're the Gilly selection for those three games. Once again, it's there. Love your football? Want to stay up to date with the World Cup in Brazil? Visit the dedicated Brazil 2014 page with ABC Grandstand Online. Find out the latest news, check fixtures and teams and explore the history feature which takes a look back at all 19 World Cup finals and features some of the greatest names in football. Grandstand Sport. Brazil 2014. Featuring online now at abc.net.au slash grandstand.